Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Reformed Dissenters. Thank you so much for listening to us or watching us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Bruce Johnson, and I am joined here in the lovely state of South Dakota with my good friend, Joseph Lassiter. Hello. And we're also joined today by my brother back in Pennsylvania, Jacob Johnson. And for the Hello. first time in Reformed Dissenters history, we are joined by my mom, well, Jake's mom and my mom, uh, Beth Johnson, also back in Pennsylvania. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. We haven't had a guest on the show in a, in a while, so this is very exciting. And um, because we have a, since we have a guest on the show, we're going to have a little bit of a different structure, so we're going to be talking about that uh, later as well. So very, very exciting show. Very glad you could join us. Thank you so much. Um, our show, uh, remember, you can share this show with as many people as you possibly can. We'd love it if you could help grow our audience. Share our website, which is trdshow.net. Uh, and there's where you'll find a list of links to all of the many platforms that we're on. You can also just grab that link and just share it around. Uh, if you're looking to share the show with people, that's a great way to do it. If you want to send us emails, and that could be information, data, uh, stories, uh, verses you find interesting, what have you, you can send that to our email address, which is trdshow at protonmail.com. Um, and we'd love to get uh, some emails from you. Uh, again, as we always say, if you're interested in hearing us do deep dives into some of the current events that we talked about on the show or just topics in general that we're really uh, passionate about and interested in sharing with you from a biblical perspective, you're going to have to follow us on our pro First Amendment platforms such as Gab, Gab TV, Rumble, and Odyssey. So make sure you follow us there. Also, you're not going to be able to follow us or find our content if we get censored. And that's looking more and more like when instead of if uh, lately. So uh, if you are not following us on our pro First Amendment platforms, you're not going to find our content. So make sure you do that now and get ahead of the censorship. All right, our theme this month, and this is our last week with this theme. Very sad. This is, I think, the fourth theme we've done on this show. So it's coming to an end, uh, but it was a really cool theme. And we're probably going to have to revisit this again because there's just so much to talk about. But our theme this month is the dangers and evils of the government schools. Again, the dangers and evils of the government schools. And so a lot of what, well, actually everything today, since um, our show structure is a little different, everything we're going to be talking about today relates directly to that theme. So, um, all right. So what's today going to look like? Let's let's talk about what the, the, the breakdown of today's show is going to be. We're going to start out um, by discussing uh, with our guest, our brand new guest on the show, um, Beth Johnson, my mom, Jake's mom, um, some discussion questions related to homeschooling and our theme this month, um, specifically homeschooling, but really it's it's Christian education in general because that's um, the the uh, alternative to government schools and government indoctrination. So we're going to be discussing a lot of that uh, today, and that's going to replace our current events segment. So um, it's uh, unfortunate to not have that segment, but. I think this is really important to discuss, and um, this is really a, a, too good of an opportunity to pass up. So, very excited to do that. And then after after we talk about um, that and have our discussions with our guests, we're also going to be uh, talking about the literature of the month, as we usually do. And again, this is our last week with the literature this month, and our literature is, yeah, very sad. Joe's over there sobbing, right? Mm. <laughs> um, our book this week is uh this month uh is millstones and stumbling blocks by bradley heath and so it's the last time you're gonna see this up on our shelf um so we're gonna be discussing that as well but before we get to all of that uh we have to talk about the verse of the week so our verse this week is a little bit of a shorter one but there's just so much there and it applies so well to the theme I knew I had to slip it in sometime, and I couldn't think of a better week to do it. So um, our verse this week is Proverbs uh, chapter 1, verse 7. 
And it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And this is really paramount to our discussion about education. You can't begin with education. You can't begin to understand the world. You can't begin to be wise or have wisdom unless you start with the fear of the Lord. Government schools take it from the opposite angle. They take it completely backwards, and that's why they fail so miserably. They don't begin with the fear of the Lord, and so they have no knowledge. They have no wisdom. They are fools. They despise wisdom. They despise true instruction. Um, and so I think this is one of the best verses that relates, relates to our theme because that's one of the most dangerous things about the government schools is they don't start with the fear of the Lord. And because of that, they are failing miserably. Okay, so um, what we're going to do now is we're going to have some discussion questions with our guest and um, actually discuss some of the things we've been talking about this month. And I really think it's um, the guest we've chosen this week, our mom. I mean, she's homeschooled us our whole life. Um, and so obviously she has a lot of experience when it comes to um, education. Um, I believe she was also a teacher but um, I'll ask her to give maybe a little bit more of a background um, as to her, her teaching degree and, and what her experience is there. Um, but uh, there's, there's a lot of experience there and a lot of things that we could discuss. So um, I'll just have you introduce yourself, and uh, we'd love to hear about, um, about you. Okay. Uh, I'm Jake and Bruce's mom, and also I have two other boys uh, as well. Um, and I... My name is Beth Johnson, and I do have a background in education. I went to school for that. But in my mind, that's kind of like a drawback for homeschooling hmm. because it teaches you to kind of like think in terms of like a classroom hmm. setting, yep. and homeschooling is completely different than that. So, yeah. you know, I, I, on, on the one hand, it's good for like curriculum. Yeah. You can kind of look through curriculum and stuff like that and be familiar, but um, – as far as homeschooling goes, and, and and I have something to compare it to, I guess. I, I know what it's like to be in a classroom versus right. being in a homeschool space. So I yes. I can compare the two, but um, it did not prepare me for homeschooling. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, did you... it help you to teach the curriculum? Um, You know, I, I will say because I went to school to, to do elementary education, I did learn how to teach reading. To kids, which I think is that that's something a lot of parents might struggle with. So that was kind of a good thing. But there's so much curriculum out there now that takes just the average mom step by step through it that I don't even think that's necessary. Hmm. Okay. So. Yeah. Very cool. Well, do you think it also might have helped uh, give you a direction to go in when you're researching or, or looking into th some of that stuff? Or do you think that um, an average parent without that sort of a degree would be able to ascertain some of that information on their own? What like what do you mean? So, um, in terms of you know what is a good what is a what is a good curriculum? What what qualifies a good curriculum you know what why would you choose one math curriculum over another uh math curriculum or or history curriculum over uh, a different set of of history curricula and would your teaching degree help you in that or would a typical parent be able to see that i think a typical parent would be able to see that but because honestly what makes a good curriculum is what works 
for the the parent, the yes. student, and the setting. Love it. So, yep. you know, I, when I was teaching school, and when I first started homeschooling, all the curriculum that I knew how to use was geared to a classroom setting in which you sit down with lesson plans and you're teaching everyone, like a classroom of 30, the same exact thing. Uh, that doesn't work at home. Hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I had to learn that the curriculum that worked at our home was where I could have three different levels of kids and I'm teaching a history curriculum on three different levels at the same time. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, so, very different setting. Yeah. So, and also too, like I started phonics training with Bruce because the other ones were little. And so it was just him. Well, then I got, and he learned differently than like Ryan and Jacob. And by the time I got to Ryan and Jacob, I found a whole nother curriculum that was more interactive and more action oriented mm. because those are the type of kids they were. So right. I had to scrap that other one. Yeah. You know, and, and the original one was geared for schools. Yeah. And it was what I was used to, but it wasn't necessarily better because mm. it didn't work for Ryan and Jake, you know? So right. I, I don't know that I, I don't know that that would having a degree actually. Very cool. Gives well, advantage. you know, and, um, that should be in encouraging. Right. And yeah. I, I think that's one of the greatest encouragements is that uh, this is probably one of the easiest times to homeschool. Right. Now, I'm not saying that it it's easy. I'm saying it's the easiest out of all previous generations and, and years past. Right. This is probably one of the easiest times to start doing this. So for parents that don't think that they have the experience needed. They don't have the degrees. They don't have, you know, they're coming from a, you know, whatever, a, a finance perspective or, or whatever. Um, there are ways, and I think what I'm picking up here, um, it, there are ways that you can learn to teach, even if you weren't previously a teacher. So that should bring you some encouragement. That's one hurdle, <laughs> one, one of the hurdles to tackle. There are many others, but that's one. And I think that's one that a lot of parents use. Um, and I'm going to use the word excuse, use as an excuse, use as a, sometimes it's a valid reason, but a lot of times, unfortunately, I think it turns into an excuse. So that's really good to, to hear. Um, all right. So let's get into our first discussion question. And the question I have is, what do you believe? is the greatest danger of the government schools. I mean, this whole month we've been talking about um, the dangers and evils of the government schools. There are so many different types of dangers um, coming from a philosophical standpoint to a purely educational standpoint or academics, right? Kids don't come out and actually learn what they are, what the schools claim that they could learn, right? Um, but what do you think is the greatest danger out of all of these different things? Okay. Well, the greatest, I mean, well, I'm going to start by just saying simply the breakdown of what God's given as authority. You know, the authority is given to the family and the parents to train and teach these children, the church, you know, the school system tends to separate that out and mm, make it like they take academics. Authority. And school is its own separate entity. Yes. Different than the family, different than the church. Um, mm, yeah. So to me, I think that's I think that's very dangerous because it's dangerous to the kids. They don't see their parents as the authority. They spend more time at the school in a school building, so their teachers become their authority. 
Um, and that's mm, dangerous. Yep. yep. It, it undermines everything God has set up as the authority system for children. And it also is dangerous because um, we're supposed to, as parents, be implementing Joshua 1 8. You know, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Mm, you should meditate yes. in it day and night. Yes. Um, Deuteronomy 6, which says, These words shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children when you sit, when you walk, when you lie mm, down. Yep, you know, Psalm yep. 1 talks about not walking in the way of the wicked or sitting in the seat of the scornful, um, meditating on God's all day and night. That, that can't even happen Yes. when the children yes. are separated from their families all day long in a school system. A teacher, there's no opportunity for the teacher. A teacher can't handle a child's heart yep. the same way a parent can. Um and it's just impossible in the school system because they have 30 kids at a time. I taught a school system. I loved those little kindergarten kids I had like they were my own, but there was no way I was going to be able to be to them what their parent could be to them. And I think that sets up a lifelong breakdown between parent and child mm, Yep. Um, in a relational aspect, but also in a, in a, in a parent teaching their child to come before God, um, see everything in terms of God's word. Yes. Um, yes. The character development, the heart development. Yeah. All of that gets broken down. Um, yep. Absolutely. Because the, we think of it as school. We think of school as separate. We think of academics as mm, separate. Yeah. You know, stop connecting all of that together. Um, I've, I've told this story to people before. Jake's probably heard me tell it a lot. Um, I don't even know if Bruce has heard me tell it because I just actually started telling it recently. <laughs> but anyway, it's about Bruce. Oh, um, uh-oh. And I don't know if you remember this, Bruce, but when you were in Boy Scouts, like when you were 11 or 12, and you had to go before the board, hmm. just, like when you would rank Oh, up, I think I vaguely remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they, for some reason, they asked him, they asked Bruce, you know, what, what do you like about being homeschooled? And his answer totally shocked me because I was like, there's no way a kid could answer like this. But I had, <laughs> but Mrs. Lahutsky told me she, that this is what you said. So now I believe it. You know, so I had a verified. Right, right, right. Else. Third party anyway, verification. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she said that your answer was the thing you liked about being homeschooled was that your mom could deal with your heart and your sin problems right away rather than you going all day long in mm. that yeah um and it, that's really true i mean yeah. the that kind of heart attitude correction and character application can only really occur when a mom or a dad is involved in that and then that's beyond academics mm. you know it's beyond school yeah um yeah but i mean luke yeah. six forty five talks exactly about that you know that the good or the evil that's stored up in a person's heart ends up becoming the outpouring if you go all day long with that good or evil inside that mm, that evil let's it builds. say inside your yeah it builds yeah your, the bitterness the anger the a teacher can't grasp all of that yes yep. and, and, this and they don't care is the more, yeah this is the more important thing this yep. is the thing god tells us to do yep you know, yeah, I mean, we've said all month that parents were given children for a reason. Children are not given to a cold, third-party external service to to train them. They were given to parents for 
you know, for a reason. There are, you know, verse after verse talks about, as you mentioned, I love all of those verses that talk about parents educating their children and the importance of that education. And you also brought up, which I loved, the family government, right? You you were like, okay, family government, church government, civil government, individual government. I didn't hear school government in that, <laughs> right? There is the family government and the church government. And those two are the ones that deal with education at different levels and different stages of children's lives, right? The family government, which you, you know, talked about before is incredibly vital to a young child's development because that's what God created the family government for. So I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we start thinking of the school system's way of education as being right. Yeah. Like we just start thinking, oh, of course, at a certain age, the kids <laughs> are going to leave home yes. for long stretches of the day and go learn from somebody else. Like we just, that's always in, oh, yeah, once they get to be this age. Well, learning begins at mm. earlier than that. Yep. And it's really a battlefield for the hearts and minds of your kids. Yes. And yes. we stop thinking of education that way mm. you know we, we keep trying to separate it out so that to me is one of the most dangerous things is that in our minds and in the way we think we just think this is the way to do it and <clears throat> send them somewhere you know go ahead joe and and i think the government is realizing that the kids are learning earlier and earlier so that's why they're really pushing for kids to go into school way earlier and way earlier yeah so that the government can be teaching them as yeah. soon as good point joe like the the government gets it they yeah. get that they, this is a battlefield for their <laughs> right. hearts and minds mm -hmm. you know so yeah they then they want those hearts and minds earlier because it's easier it's easier to get them earlier yep and it really is a battlefield yep and <clears throat> Yep, absolutely. And we've, you know, we've referenced all, all month, we've talked about, you know, the culture war. And you are sending your young children into the front, the battlefront, right? The, the, the front lines of this culture war that they're going to have to wage for the rest of their lives. But you're sending them in there unprepared at the most vulnerable stage of their life. They're children, they're innocent children, and you're shipping them off to the front lines. It's, it's crazy that, that some Christian parents are okay with doing that. So... Cool. Thank you very much for offering that perspective. It's very, very insightful. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I think there was one part you were talking about the um, government schools have a standard, right? And their standard is, oh, at this certain age, they, you know, just leave the home and they, they're just shipped off every day for this many hours at a day. Uh, and they have a standard for what happens during those days, you know, but that's their standard, and one thing we're actually going to be talking about a lot in the literature segment is why do we as Christians feel that we need to match their standard, their secular standard? So we're going to be talking a lot more about that. So that's that's really cool. Um, really cool that you brought that up. Anything else you wanted to add to this question before we moved on? Nope. I mean, no. But I mean, the other questions all kind of bleed into the same thing. Okay, okay. cool. <laughs> Cool. Um, yeah, well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll ask the next question. And if we repeat ourselves a little bit, that's that's okay. I'm sure that conversation will go where it goes. Um, next question is, uh, what, what do you think is the most difficult challenge of homeschooling? And how can that challenge be alleviated? So there, there's all sorts of different 
types of challenges, right? Maybe it's money, maybe it's, um, you know, not what well, we, we discussed before, you know, people not thinking they have the experience required to, to teach their own children, right? Um, those sorts of things. But what, what do you think is the most difficult challenge that most parents face? Um, okay, so I thinking of this question, the first two I think are the biggest. And then of course there are others and I, and I can talk about those as well. But the first two being the mindset issue of thinking, like we were just talking about, of thinking mm. of schooling as school. Yes. And getting over that mindset, realizing, I even hate the term homeschooling, honestly, <laughs> as if it's like, we're just doing this thing called school at home. Mm. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, you know, when, when COVID happened and, and Bruce and I kind of collaborated a little bit on a website to help people who were just <laughs> doing this yep. new homeschooling idea, we called it home learning. Yes. Because really that's what it is. You're learning. And, and so getting out of that mindset is, is the first challenge yep. I think for a lot of people to get over. Um, because that's a big hurdle, mm, you know, yeah. especially if you have grown up in the school system, whether it's Christian school or government school. Yeah. That's you how you're trained to think, think that way. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that dealing with that mindset issue is probably the first challenge. Um, but then also realizing going along with that, realizing that learning begins when you're an, as an infant and that parents are teaching their children and modeling Christ-likeness, modeling God's grace, God's mercy, God's, you know, justice system, all of this before their children when they're very little. Hmm. Discipline is another big thing, yes. I think. Yes, yep. um, That it has to be there. You you have to start when they're young with this discipline. Otherwise, you're never going to get to a state where you can successfully have a scheduled day and and do learning at home with your children because they're just going to be running around like feral cats. You know, <laughs> right. you're, yes. they're not going to, you're going to say, we're, we're going to sit down and we're going to do this now. Well, they're not going to listen to you if mm. you have no discipline in place. Yeah. Um, to that end, I, I have some books here that I thought I would share. Oh, I mean, awesome. I don't Fantastic. know, you know, what your audience level is like. Yeah, no. But even I, I'm thinking, you know, for for people who are just starting out, for people who might not have kids yet, but are yeah. thinking in this way, still preparing ahead and reading these kinds of books is a good thing to yes. do. Yes. And um, also, um, if you uh, want, and if you could send me links to those, uh, if you find them on Amazon, um, if anyone in the audience is interested, I'll try and include some of those, if not all of those, uh, links to those books and resources in the description below this, uh, wherever you're listening or watching uh, this content. So definitely check those out. Yes. Um, the, the first one is called Shepherding a Child's Heart hmm. by Ted Tripp. And that really gets at the heart issues that are really at stake here. This you're you are shepherding this child's heart mm, from yeah. the beginning and nurturing them and training them. Um, and the next one is uh, what the Bible says about child training by Richard Fugate. Nice. Um, this one is very practical. Um, it lays out from a biblical perspective, you know, not just philosophically, but uh, actually like in this instance, these kinds of things you need to bring out and teach and train nice. and here, get at the heart issue and specific. You know, anyway, it. so it's, it's very practical. Um, 
This one is called Instructing a Child's Heart, and this one is by Ted and Margie Tripp. And nice. this one talks a lot about educate, home education and goes beyond just the initial discipline stages awesome. to the next level stages. And then, of course, I, Bruce, you probably recognize this one. Um, Proverbs for Parenting. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. This a lot when I was um, disciplining the children to kind of get at the fact that this isn't just my opinion. This is from the Bible. Yes. And this is like a topical book that deals with, okay, when you're dealing with someone who's lying, someone who's angry, someone who's using their words the wrong way, using their tongue the wrong way, envy, all these issues, um, it, it's like a, a reference tool so that you can tell them from the Bible what God says about those things, you know? Nice. Um, wow. But anyway, so those are helpful, and I think that they lay the foundation for being able to homeschool successfully. If you mm. don't have a good discipline process and you know system in your home, it's going to be really hard to go beyond that. Yes. Um, and teach. So I so the mindset issue and the discipline issue I think are the two biggest challenges. And then there's just the challenge of day to day. You know, like mm. like yeah. I said Sticking before, it. it's not a classroom. You're in yep. a house, so you've got. The doorbell ringing, the phone ringing, the dishwasher, <laughs> the dishes that need to be piled up. If you have a young infant, they're crying. Yeah. You know, like, and you you just you have to realize, like Ecclesiastes says, there's a time and a season for everything. Mm. Um, yeah. And if you just let, if you just have sandwiches for dinner, but you're busy doing the work of training <laughs> that child's yes. heart, that's the more important. Yes. One. Priorities. Yeah. Um, when, yeah. Choosing your to. Your laundry's piling up. Big deal. Yes. Yes. I, I love that. Yeah. And and um there's a lot of other um commentators who have, you know, used the, the words immortal souls, right? You are you're caring and, and training immortal souls. But I mean, your laundry's not immortal. Your dishes, your food isn't immortal, right? So yeah, I, I, I think that's that's a really good point. Having those priorities, you know, children come first and the rest of you know, the rest of, you know, house duties or, or whatever that's secondary in a way because they're not immortal souls, right? They don't need immediate attention. So yeah, very cool. Thank you very much. Anything else you wanted to add to that? Cool. All right. Thank you. Um, all right. Final question. Um, what effects do you believe government schools have had on our society? And this is kind of a multi-leveled uh, question because there, I mean, there's obviously, it's, it's hard to say exactly um, you know, what the impact is of the indoctrination that's been going on for, uh, I think almost over a decade now, um, or I'm sorry, over a century. Um, but, uh, what do you think some of the, some of the biggest, um, impacts and effects are of the government's, uh, schools on our society? Okay. So I'm going to stay away from the obvious ones, <laughs> Okay. like the agendas that are being promoted that we all see in the current events yep. and all of that, yep. COVID, whatever, and yeah. transgender, whatever. I'm going to stay away from those. Yeah. Um, CRT. I think those are obvious. Um, but what they're doing is they're undermining God's institutions and they're mm. setting up another, another God. Yes. You know, they're setting up the state as an idol and a God to be worshiped. Yes. And in subtle ways, 
we all just think this is just the way it is. Mm. This is the way it's always been done. Yes. Um, yes. And and they're undermining, they're undercutting parents, as you've said before, with, you know, I don't have the authority to do that. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not an <laughs> right. expert on this With your issue. own children. How do I, yeah, how do I know what they're supposed to know in grades yeah. one and two and three? And wait, who came up with grade levels anyhow? <laughs> right. Like, yes. you know, so I think, so that's, that's a, that's one effect is that it, it kind of makes parents feel like they can't homeschool their kids. They can't teach their kids. Mm. Um, yeah. But beyond that, I mean, look at, I, I, I believe that government school systems set up more a follower mindset versus mm. an entrepreneur or a leader mind, yes. mindset. You know, um, how many, how many times do you hear kids in school and they just kind of go through the motions of school because this is what they're supposed to do? Yes. None of them are thinking beyond. None yeah. of the uh, most people don't think about and... being a leader, taking dominion, um, you know, being in charge of something, yeah. being an entrepreneur, you know? Yeah. And, and the, the, the craziest thing about that is that's actually the way it's supposed to work, right? That's not a bug. That's a feature. Like... They were originally designed during the late 1800s for factory workers, right? The, to produce factory workers. That's why they, that's where they originate. That's why they were created. They needed people that had an, an underlying base of knowledge that was the same across the board. Everybody gets the same knowledge, same treatment, cookie cutter mold, ship them out. Now they get to work in a factory and we know that they all have this base level amount of knowledge. And that's what they were originally. So it's it's crazy that you'd say that because yes, that is exactly what they are designed to do, and they're doing it really well. Yeah, and I mean, not to mention the fact that boys, boys are active learners. Boys are <laughs> leaders. Yes. These, these are things boys are supposed to be, and they're the boys are made to feel that there's something wrong with them yes. because they can't sit still for yeah. 29 hours right. a day or whatever right. it is. Like. You know, uh, it, it's it's squashing what God made them to be, mm, yes. um, which is another dangerous side effect on society. Look at, <clears throat> you know, the long-term effects of that. Uh, separating out people um, into little groupings. Like, mm. you know, the, the five-year-olds can only talk to five-year-olds. The eight-year-olds can only talk to eight-year-olds. The 10-year-olds can right. only talk to 10-year-olds. Right. You know, um, how them. many teenagers yeah. can talk to a 10 year old and a 60 year old? Yep. You know, yep. so I think that's also a, a problem. There's just, there are so many. <laughs> there really are. Yes. Society, but these are long term effects on our society that mm. are really not, you know, not the way God intended for it to be. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for, uh, discussing these things and being willing to come on and, and discuss some of these things with us. Um, yeah, I, I think those are all really good points. And you've stated um, a lot of what we've been trying to get at, uh, but you've stated it so succinctly. I think you're coming from an outside perspective, um, what we've been studying this whole month, and you've really just summed it all up so well and put a, a nice bow on top and just really summarized that well. So that was that was great. Thank you so much. Yep. And I think, um, 
Yeah, one of the biggest takeaways that I got from this conversation was they are definitely, and I hadn't even considered it quite this way before, uh, which is actually one of our questions, which is funny, that we answer every week. Um, but, uh, you know, they are setting themselves up as another government, right? They're setting themselves up as the fifth government. So as opposed to just having four, your family, your church, your individual, and your civil government, you know, they've set themselves up as the fifth. Now they're the school government and they have their own rights and abilities and responsibilities that God did not give them, but they've just stolen much like civil government does. Right. And it's funny because those two are actually now connected right? <laughs> with it, government schools. So they're both stealing uh, responsibilities that are not theirs. It seems like it's, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, if you think about it, we were, we were, we were greedy. We always wanted power. We always wanted more than what mm. we yeah. were intended to have. We were told that we have the authority over, uh, especially in Genesis in the Garden of Eden, or yeah, Garden of Eden. Um, uh, yeah, Eve and Adam <clears throat> wasn't even thinking about having the a- apple until it was the the thought process of hey. You can be like God. You can take this <laughs> you can apple. Have more power. Yeah. And you can, yeah, you can yeah. have more no power. More things. Here, and... here, ha- take this. Now you have more power. Okay, that's a loose interpretation. But uh, anyway. <laughs> fits. Yeah. Um, but that's, it, it shows the government. The government's like, here, you want more money to the people? The more power to the government. Mm. It's, yeah. Us yeah. people are well, greedy. We want that power. Yes, we yes. want, and and they're greedy on so many levels, right? Because they've traded. They've made a trade. They've mm-hmm. said, "We want convenience," um, and the government, civil government, said, "All right, we'll give you some convenience. Give us your kids. Give us mm-hmm. the responsibility of your own children." That's some right. That's some convenience there, right? Like we were saying, I think it was two episodes ago. We were talking about the twenties mm-hmm. and the, the age of convenience, and how you know they had machines doing laundry, laundry machines. They had automobiles. They had all these cool things, and they were like, "Man, but there's still something missing. I still feel like there's one way that I could have a simpler, more convenient life." I know my kids. I'm going to, let's get rid of them. This is going to be so much easier. And it is right in the short term. It's so much easier. It's free, right? Quotation marks. Um, Other than taxes. Yeah. Right. That's why. Yeah. It's, it's free. Right. If you, um, but, and I can ship them off and they spend the day there. A bus even comes to my house and picks them up for me. I don't even have to go anywhere. Like I I think Jake was making that point um, a couple weeks ago. So, you yeah, know, you know there was a, a thing about homeschooling that my mom made mention to me this morning. Those uh, families who do homeschool, they have to pay education practically twice. They're they're paying for their yes. homeschool school books, but also their property taxes that are going yes. to the public schools. So paying essentially, for indoctrination. Yep. they they are they're paying it twice. And yeah. Yep. So it, it's better on well. I don't, I, there's a word that I can't think of at the moment, but good job to all those homeschoolers who are willing to take that yeah. sacrifice. Stick it out and, and mm-hmm. not uh, give up. Yep. Cool. All right. Anything else um, anybody would like to add before we move on to the uh, Literature of the Month segment? No. Cool. All right. So, um, Mom... Yeah, you can definitely stick uh, stick around and um, feel free to um, chime add, in. Yeah, chime in, add your thoughts as we go along. 
Um, but we're, uh, we have three questions that we usually um, ask, and then we have a question and answer flow for uh, the chapters uh, from the book that we read this week. Um, so, our literature of the month, as a reminder, um, this month it's uh, our last, last week. Yeah, so sad. So last sad. show with this book. But um, our book is Millstones and Stumbling Blocks by Bradley Heath. Excellent, excellent book. Yeah, there's Joe demonstrating the cover. Um, we, if you haven't had a chance to buy this book already, it's on our Gab page. We have a link to the Amazon. Um, yes, I know it's Amazon. I know. Amazon? It's the only place I can find it. So <laughs> it is on Amazon. If you guys have other links for it, send, me, you know, send us an email at uh, trdshow at protonmail.com. Um, we'd love to, uh, get another link out there that isn't Amazon, but for now we have the Amazon link on our Gab page. So if you have yet to buy this book, grab a copy, you know, if you know some people who are maybe sending their children to government indoctrination camps, give them this book and, you know, recommend that they think about it. Maybe ask them some questions like, do you know that for almost a century, this is what they've been doing to your children. They have been forcing postmodernist ideas on your children. Do you know that? You know, you might want to check out this book. It, it really goes into that. So definitely uh, pass that book out. But uh, this is our last week, and this week we read chapters 9 and 10. So we're going to be discussing those chapters. So our first question, um, as always, what did you find most interesting about the chapters? And, of course, we are going to start with Jacob, as we always do. So, Jake, go for it. Alrighty, so a couple things that are very interesting are first is that uh, we have been saying about the church and about the government schools, um, but it all starts with the individual. Hmm. Uh, the church is made up of individuals. So it is the yeah. individual's job to help bring the church back. We've, we've been saying a lot that, um, that the, the churches are the reason that we're in this problem, that they're not mm. teaching yeah. for parents to not send their children to public schools and instead um, homeschool them. But we've been we've been saying all that and we us as individuals make up the church. So what are we doing to help the church and help the people in the church change? Yes. And uh, and first and we should be the first to be following what we are saying. Hmm. You know, us yeah. as individuals, we should be the ones, if we're, if we're saying that public schools or government schools are the problem, then what are we doing to actually change that? And uh, us as the church body can't be saying that the church is corrupt when we ourselves are not doing anything to stop such yeah. corruption. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. Uh, yeah. And then my second most interesting fact is uh, the culture reflects the state of the church. If the culture mm. is failing, it is because the church is failing. And this goes back to my first point, because if the church is, if the culture is failing, that means the church is failing. If the church is failing, it's because the individuals are failing. Yes. So it all goes back to the individuals. Yeah. It sounds like uh, a, a big pyramid. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So for for us to make the excuse, well, it's the government's the problem. What can I do about it? Well, it's all related. Um, yeah. The government is affected by culture and voters. 
the culture is affected by the church and yes. the church is made up of us as individuals nice so how how do we fix the government well we first fix the church which will go to the culture <laughs> and that will bleed into the state yes awesome thank you very much jake yeah that's um <laughs> that's 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 really good and we're going to be talking um i think a lot more today about you know a, a top-down approach to fixing society as opposed to a bottom-up approach right which i believe is the right approach especially in america and we're going to be getting into all that later so really good that you laid that foundation and discussed that and and that's very important to remember so thank you very much for bringing that up all right joe all right well in chapter nine heath opens up with a quote from john woman Woman, Woman. <laughs> okay. Um, is that his name? Woman. W o o l m a n. Oh, Woman. Woman. Yeah. Woman. All right. Something like. All that. right. That works. <laughs> I'm going with that. That works. Anyway, <laughs> deep-rooted customs, though wrong, are not easily altered. But it is the duty of all to be f- firm in that which they certainly know is right. Okay. So, and it was one of those things that are. It stuck out to me that it is hard to alter something that you have ha- had a habit in. If you, if your mm, mind is yeah. direct one way, it is hard to direct your your mind yeah. to go another way. It, like, um, yeah, it's once your mind is set, it's a lot harder mm. to yeah. Uh, yeah, and Brad- Bradley Heath, I mean, later on um, in, uh, I think, chapter 10, near the end of chapter 10, he talks about, you know, your mind is kind of like concrete, mm-hmm. right? A-, a children's mind, a child's mind, you know, you can change it, alter it, mold it before it hardens, mm-hmm. right? And and that's really important because at that formative stage, that early stage when it's still wet and you can change it, you can mold it, you can fix it, fix and correct issues, you don't want to let that stage pass by, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's with, what you're, you're With getting. that thought of um, concrete, it reminded me of Pharaoh, and I, I don't know why my mind went directly to <laughs> Pharaoh, but, but God was hardening his heart. There, there was no way Moses was going to be able to soften it, make his mind change at all. Mm. It was all God. It, God is the ultimate person who can change your mind at all. Um, later on in chapter nine, it, this quote also comes from um, pay, uh, from chapter nine on page ninety eight, and it says, hmm. um, "We want to sit at a table. Yeah, we want to sit. We want a seat at the table. We want to be heard, but we do not want to examine our families, our children, and our lifestyle. We cu- we quickly tell others how to." live their lives, but reluctantly examine oh. our own. In short, we want cruel, uh, critical influence or crucial influence we have not earned. Hmm. Okay. And it was one of those things. That was actually the wrong quote, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, it, it, uh, yeah, I think that, we, that's kind of along the lines of uh, what Jake was getting at too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We, yeah. we want to be heard, but yet we... We're, we're quick to judge, but we're not slow. We're not quick to judge ourselves. Mm, it, it goes yeah. to the pull. Uh, was it Matthew? I don't remember verses, but Matthew in hits pull the plank out of your own mm, eye before pulling yep. the speck of, of the other person's <laughs> right. eye. That's a great verse to 
put right here. Yeah. Um, but we have to be um, examining ourselves before we can even examine our others. Are we putting our own kids in the government schools yes. or are we homeschooling? Are yeah. we part of yeah. the problem or are we part of the solution? Yep. That's an important question. Totally. To it starts, it starts with you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you very much, Joe. I, I think that's what kind of why we started this podcast is because we did realize yes, it starts with it us. It starts with us on a lower Some, level. We have to be the ones to initiate it. We can't just wait for other people to initiate these kinds of actions we have to, I mean, I listened to a show called the Steve Day Show, and I think we've mentioned that a lot. And, you know, his theme this year is the answer is us. You know, it's we are the ones who have to step up to the plate. I mean, we can't just wait for the, you know, he says all the time, Calvary's not coming. You know, we got we to gotta step up to the plate and we got to actually um, start taking responsibility and move into these areas and start studying scripture and what it says about these areas and going to our pastors, going to uh, our local officials and, and running for local offices and, and understanding these biblical ideas. And in this particular instance, it means training your own children and not uh, um, shirking that responsibility and, and outsourcing that responsibility that God has given to you, outsourcing that to some other entity. That's not what God calls us to do. So awesome. Right. I think to... Oh, sorry. I was yeah, no, go ahead. Said. I think, too, along those lines, like Joe is saying and Jake has said and you were just saying, you know, you're talking you, who you're talking to right now are Christians. Mm, Christians yeah. say you this is your responsibility before God to do. Yep. But, and I think a lot of people say, well, not everyone's a Christian. And so we need the schools for those people, you know, and. This, this, and then that's when then they start, you know, sending their kids in there to try to evangelize mm. them. And but if how can your kids evangelize the lost when they themselves are getting lost yes. in there, the yep. rest of them? So it is your responsibility, and it's 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 enjoyable. I loved it. I loved every second of it. And I think <laughs> most moms would love being around their kids. I don't. I would be sad if someone wouldn't, but. Um, it is a responsibility, but you have to, we need to make sure our kids are strong enough that then we can go out and witness to those that need it so that we don't need those, those, mm. the unsaved public yes. school systems, you yes. know, but yeah, it starts with the Christians taking that step yep. and caring enough about their own kids' souls, Yep. you know? Yep. Yeah. And I think, I think what we've said a bunch of times is that um why are we what a lot of people make the argument that well we should have our kids in the schools up until a certain point but then when they get to this age they go to the government schools <laughs> like high school mm -hmm. but those those kids like we were saying with concrete as an example even as a teenager, you're still in that liquid, moldable yes. phase of your yes. life. Yes, goodness, yes. You're not, you're not a hard, set in stone concrete. You kind of go through a second, right? Change, you mm. know, right. hormonally yeah. and yeah. all that kind yeah. of yeah. stuff. And, and actually, even more so, you're at a disadvantage when you're at the high school level than even what you would be when you're um, ten or less, lower than ten. Mm. But yeah, so we've we've kind of been saying that, and 
Yeah, I think that's true for this point as well. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Thank you very much for for bringing that up. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, my answer is a little bit of a longer answer this week. I'm sorry. There was just so much in these chapters. I um, I really had a hard time toning it. You know, holding it back. So it's going to be a bit of a longer episode. But I think you know this is our yeah. Joe's over there with his timer. Like, hey, watch the clock. <laughs> um, thank you, Joe. You're Somebody welcome. has to keep me accountable to the clock. Um, but, uh, yeah, Joe's our timekeeper and, uh, but I think it's really important that we spend some time again, this is our last episode with this theme. It's our last episode for a while. So if it's a little longer, I think that's okay. And I think the audience is going to be all right. If you have to watch this in two sittings, sorry, it's all good content though. It's really important to talk about. All right. So Bradley Heats has seemingly coined a phrase that epitomizes the nature of education and the importance of Christian education quite well. Uh, He has repeated this throughout his book and has tried to drive home the fact that, and this is really important, education is enculturation. Those who educate the next generation have the greatest sway and power over the direction of our culture. Teachers, consciously or unconsciously, are molding and sculpting the hearts, minds, and souls of the next generation. Christians, uh, Christian parents don't seem to understand this basic fact. They spend all their time trying to elect Republican leaders while their own children are brainwashed by the evils of this world. They miss the mark and think that they can change things from the top down, which, you know, we talked about this before, top down versus top up or, or bottom up. Yeah, top up. That makes so much sense. All right. Um, on page 98, Heath says, cultural expressions including the form and function of civil government, are external representations of internal belief. This is exactly what Jacob was just talking about. Uh, And I really, really love this next phrase. Like, I want this on a t-shirt. Like, this is a good, really good phrase. Culture is religion externalized. Culture is religion externalized. End quote. This is an incredibly important fact that we need to understand as Christians. The easiest and most effective thing for us to do is to change the culture from the bottom up, just like Jake was saying earlier, right? The civil government will respond to cultural changes, especially the American civil government. We're in a very unique country uh, for now, unique system where we can affect things, affect them from the bottom up, right? We are in charge of who is in office. We are in charge of that for now. Uh, largely, right? There are, of course, uh, large swaths of unelected bureaucrats that are making more and more decisions every year. But for the moment, we are still largely in control of civil government from a bottom, from the bottom up, right? So, um, all right. So this can go either way. Uh, the civil government is going to re- respond to changes, but again, that can go either way. It can be good or it can be horribly bad, depending on the culture. Heath capitulates this well on page 99 when he says, Although our constitutional federal uh, republic is based on biblical principles, such as representative government, separation of powers, inalienable rights, and we talked about all of those when we were discussing Gary DeMar's book, right? We talked about all the different things in the Constitution that are uh, derived from Scripture, right? All those different things. That government merely preserves and protects prevailing cultural belief. If the culture accepts abortion and homosexuality, these sins will find legal protection and governmental approval. The true battle is for the hearts and minds of men, not for control of Congress, the Supreme Court, or the White House. End quote. The church and family governments are in the best positions to fight this culture 
war. But unfortunately, they are failing miserably because they have lost sight of the end goal. Heath continues on page 99 by saying, We foolishly focus on electing a few Christian politicians while millions of new voters graduate each year, saturated in the post-Christian culture agenda taught in public schools. Political activism is a ridiculously ineffective strategy for building Christian culture, but public schooling is a brilliant strategy for subverting it, end quote. As Christians, we shouldn't be spending all our efforts fighting the symptoms, such as higher taxation, CRT in schools, and Marxist communists in office, for instance. We should be fighting the plague that has infected the very heart of American culture. Okay, so symptoms and the root cause are two very different things. And what Republicans, big R Republicans, want to do right now is fight the symptoms, not the root cause, not the rot that's happening at the center of our culture. Not the rot of DC, not the rot of the, the, the capital of our country, the, the government of our country, but the rot in our culture that's causing everything else. All of the rest of the issues are symptoms of that core problem. So we need to address that core problem before we start moving on to the symptoms. So humanism, secularism, relativism, which all can be summarized under the umbrella of postmodernism, are the real disease. Even our churches have succumbed to postmodernist uh, to the postmodernist virus. We preach the gospel and claim to hold to the word of God, but in practice we act no differently than our secular counterparts. Our vision of basic things like civil government, education, and finding the job you were created to do are all secular. Our vision in the church of all those things is secular because we don't study the word of God and figure out what does God say about each and every area of our life. We don't look to scripture for anything other than the basic gospel on Sunday mornings. And it shows. Our culture is crumbling around us because of it. I'm almost done, I swear. <laughs> I said this is going to be long. I'm sorry. I'm almost done. TikTok. <laughs> yes, TikTok. Thank you, Joe. All right. He's just like holding up his clock. I'm like, yes, thank you, Joe. All right. As I've said many times before, our churches need to start preaching against some of these evils. Mm -hmm. If all we learn on Sunday on in church Sunday after Sunday is the basic foundational gospel, which we've said in the past is foundational, right? It's vital. You can't do anything without the gospel of Christ. It's foundational to everything we know, believe and do. But the key word there is foundational. It's the foundation of the house. We still got to build the house. Like <laughs> we got to do the rest of it. Now, now that we have the foundation, it's time to build the house guys, but we want to focus just on the foundation Sunday after Sunday. If we don't move past this, we cannot hope to fulfill our mission given to us by Christ, which is to disciple the nations. We act as if the church is useless. It's as if pastors gloss over Matthew 16, 18. And we were talking about this on the show last week, right? Matthew 16, 18, where Christ says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. As I mentioned last week, a gate is not an offensive weapon. It is used for defensive purposes. We as the church should be forcing hell itself to erect defenses against our attacks. That's what this verse is talking about. Attacks from the church on the gates of hell itself. We should not be cowering in a corner simply waiting for the return of Christ. It makes no sense. All right, now I'm done. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anything else you guys want to uh, add before we move on? <clears throat> yeah. Um, I love that analogy of the foundational mm. uh, because it, it can make so much sense if you think of the evils that are being pushed onto Christians as rain 
And when you just have a foundation and no walls, yep. no roof, yep. that rain <clears throat> is just going to hit you. Yep. There's, there's nothing protecting you. There's nothing um, that you can stop the rain from. So you, you need more than just a foundation. And that foundation is important. Otherwise, everything's going to crumble. But you need the foundation plus the walls and the roof. Yes. So it's, yes. It's not going to... It's not going to protect you from uh, the reign of the evil. You mm. need more than just a foundation. Yes. Yep. Awesome. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, moving on to question two. <laughs> question two of three. Here we go. What did you find most surprising? Something you hadn't considered that way before. And as we always say, this is something you've you've heard before, right? You're familiar with the concept, but the way that Bradley Heath explained it, you really it stood out to you, and you really like the way that he phrased it. So, um, as always, Jake, we'll have uh, we'll have you start. Alrighty. So something that I didn't think of in this light was that when a child is halfway through the government indoctrination. They will only see their schooling as good. Hmm. Um, hmm. I've, I've actually experienced this a couple of times, but they will not want to go to a Christian school because they believe their, the government schools did no wrong. Hmm. Um, yes. They will. And so if you say to them that government schools are wrong, they would be either confused or defensive at that point. <laughs> yes. So just thinking you can send a child to the government school and <clears> thinking <throat> maybe in a little bit when I'm ready, I can take it out and <laughs> right. start homeschooling yes. them. That's, that's, not, that's yeah. not the thing. The, yeah. the, the indoctrination is not something you can yeah. change. Yes. That yeah, can, and and they do. Oh, I'm sorry, Joe. That kind of goes back to the the quote from the beginning of chapter nine, too. Yeah, which the, the, do you remember which quote that was? The from John Woolman. Oh, okay, Woolman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you're saying woman, <laughs> Woolman. <laughs> <laughs> their 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 thought of being of wrong cannot be easily altered. Mm, yeah, yeah, and and the, <laughs> the even scare like that's horrifying, right? That, that should terrify us as, you know, Christians. But it gets worse. Because not only on a philosophical level do they do that. They ensnare children. But also on a legal level. Like, it's literally hard once you've gotten into the system. Now, there are different laws in different states for this. But um, I can speak for Pennsylvania. Um, it's harder once you've been in there. You've filled out the paperwork. You're in the system. It's way harder now to get out of that system. You're going to have to check in with them. They're going to want to know, hey, how are things going? You already have to do that, unfortunately. Like the state is in charge of your parents or, or your children. Yeah, your parents. Uh, well, they're going to be in charge of that soon too. Um, but uh, you already have to check in with the state every couple of years. Hey, this is what my children have learned here. Give us your test, your standard. And let's see if my, can, my children can match your standard, um, your arbitrary standards. So you already have to do that. But if you sign up for, you know, you put your children in the government schools at an early age and you try to pull them out later, it is so, so much harder than if you just stopped, thought it through, uh, <coughs> met with people who were wiser and had been through this. And they said, don't do it. And you waited, 
than if you put them in there and then realize later, oh, shoot, I made a huge mistake. I got to get them out. The legal repercussions alone are, are very hard to deal with. So, um, cool. Thank you very much, Jake. Anything else you wanted to add before we move nope. on? Awesome. All right, Joe. All right. Well, one of the things that I haven't considered we need to get rid of the school systems is because the school systems are indoctrinating our people, are indoctrinating yeah. kind of what Jake was saying, talking about um, the kids in the school, once they are halfway through, they don't see the government as being wrong. Well, if you take that further on a few years later, the um, a lot of the the students from those indoctrination camps will grow up to be wanting to vote democratic, mm, wanting to vote yeah. for the abortion laws, the gay yeah. laws, the, all these other ridiculous yeah. laws. I mean, and, look and that's at, just the surface level. Their look, voting records, right? What they do in the on that level. Look at the look at California, the the so-called green laws now. Yeah, definitely. It's, it, Listening to you guys talking about this, it, it keeps reminding me of, like, a person that's been kidnapped mm. that then thinks their kidnapper is actually nice to them. <laughs> yes. You know yes. what I mean? What, what is that called? Stockholm Syndrome Stockholm. or something. Yes. You know, it, it's a little bit like that. They, they've grown yeah. up thinking, oh, no, they, they're really good. They're really nice. There's nothing <laughs> bad. You know what I mean? They can't see it. And they're they're just... Yep. yep. They're blinded. Because they've been, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like... Uh, an analogy here is like the book from the giver and if you haven't read the giver Ooh, it's a, it's a good, good way yep, it's a good yep. good book to read i love the giver but um on pair on the last paragraph of page 20 uh 29 ooh, 99 uh <laughs> says we foolishly focus on electing a few christian politicians while millions of new voters mm. graduate each year and that's <laughs> yep. where i was talking about yep. Kids getting gra- getting out of college and now yeah. voting. Um, standard in the post-Christian culture agenda taught in public schools, political activism is ridiculously ineffective. As a really is an ineffective strategy for building a Christian culture. Yeah, but public schooling is a brilliant strategy for subverting it. Yep. I think you you use yeah. that quote yeah. as well, yeah. um, which in this mindset isn't. It shows that the problem really isn't the ch- or the churches. It's the people. It's the government schools. Once we can um, get rid of the government schools, mm. now we'll be able to go back to a a um, a country yeah. that the founding fathers kind of had. Yeah laid out for us we'll be able to go back to yeah. the constitution the bill of rights the all yep. those yep. And, and people will actually be able to see and understand why the bible is mm. why yeah. it applies to their lives why it they need it and if we got rid of public schools imagine the depression rate going down the mm. the drug use going down yeah all those different problems yep. that essentially yep. the the government has brought to us. They created yeah. all these problems. And, and I mean, that's that's one of the things that we haven't even touched on. I think we might have briefly touched on it. But the, the impact of 
uh, children day after day after day, day in and day out, being um, stuck around the people that are their same age, that are just as unwise as they are all day long. And those are the people that you interact with, <laughs> not people who are uh, wiser than you, not people who have more experience or are, are better equipped. I'm talking about parents uh, <laughs> to... Uh, give you wisdom and impart wisdom to you. And obviously that has to start in the word of God, right? But you are spending, if you're in the government school, and really this kind of applies to the school systems in general, not just government schools, but also the system when Christians try to take the government schools and make their own version of it, right? Christian schools, private schools, which... It's that mindset idea. Yeah. The, the school is separate. Academics is separate yep. from every other thing. way of life. Yep. It, mm -hmm. You know? Yep. Yep. Uh, a side note, as, as I was typing this out, this really came to my mind, and I think I had a conversation this morning about this, but um, colleges are loving the fact that kids know, aren't getting the high grades. They aren't getting mm. the, the perfect score, the A's, B's, and C's. Yeah. They're getting the D's and F. The, the colleges love it because now if the kids are getting those very, very low grades – the schools are like, hey, come here. We'll 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 take more of your money so that we can actually train yes. you properly. Give them more classes because oh, they didn't learn this back in high school. Now they mm -hmm. got to relearn it here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's so it's really a win-win for the colleges and the government. <laughs> the government gets money to fail the kids, yep. and the colleges gets money to yeah. fix the kids. Yes. It's that's our. That's a big problem with our government schools. I guess you could call you really can call them indoctrination camps because they are not getting the education that the parents were promised, yeah. the kids were expecting. Yep. They're yeah. It, totally. Totally. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and us, I think I go ahead. And I think as we've been saying, and this this quote just like fits for the entirety of the book and the entirety of what we've been saying, but something that Bradley Heath said in, in the very beginning, and I think we, we even quoted on the show, is that the government schools, it isn't that they don't work. It's yep, that they, they work, work too well. They too work well. too well. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. But yeah, we're like, oh, here, how the government's like, we need more taxes so we can pay teachers. Yeah. And, the, and the teachers are like, we need more money so we can actually have their their grades yeah. get better yeah. but they're not they're not managing their money incentive, well yeah they're incent they are incentivized to fail <laughs> because the government school system gets more money when they can prove that they aren't they don't have enough money to do what they need to do you know they get more money if their education is failing mm -hmm. um than if it actually worked you know, sometimes it makes me wonder, those few families that do want or do think that the child's education is important, that are like really expecting those kids to have the A's and B's, imagine the those families that are getting or those kids that are getting those C's or C's, D's and F's and it's not the child's fault, and the parent is getting mad at the child, but it's not the child's fault. It's the government's fault. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's a random thought for me. Anyway, my last point is on page uh, 12, 112, um, the book 
Another quote from the book on page 112 is, Many Christians can't afford to walk away from the public schools because they are unwilling to make the final sa financial sacrifice mm, yes. when the mortgage, yes. car payments, and credit cards demand more than we make. Yep. The tr and continuing on in this book, he, he uses the, the truth of Proverbs 22.7 is clear. The borrower becomes the leader's slave yeah lender's slave yep yeah lender's slave mm. yep so it, it it just shows not only do we need to be thoughtful of what are we doing with our kids are we taking care of their kids but yeah. we also need to think money wise are we even taking care of our money too mm. yeah yeah Definitely. and this is why it is we are enslaved to the government because the government is taking more than 10% of our tax uh, yep. of our money. Yep. 100%. Yeah. All right, I am done. If you want to continue on, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Um now I am guilty for running long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not just me this time. Look at that. First time Joe runs over his time. <sighs> Welcome I, to the club. It's a cool, it's, it's the it cool case cool. club. You it's know? cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So my answer question again, as a reminder is what did you find most surprising? Something you hadn't considered that way before. So you've kind of heard this before, but, uh, the way that Bradley Heath phrased it, you, you really liked the way it stood out. This is what I thought. Um, I wanted to mention two things actually, and I'll try to make this quick, which means I'll be reading a little quicker. And so I hope it makes sense. <laughs> um, I want to mention two things that I've given some thought to in the past, but Heath, I thought phrased them both particularly well. Uh, the first has to do with our standards for education. And this is actually something that, uh, uh we were discussing earlier during our discussions with our guest, with mom, um, our standards for education, right? What do we as Christians compare ourselves to when educating our children? Is this the right standard to use? Unfortunately, there are a vast number of Christians who compare their children's education to the standards of the government schools. Heath addresses this on page 102 when he says, As Christians take direct uh, responsibility for their children's education and walk away from government schooling, they must avoid smug self-confidence and false, false praise. Doing it better than public schools is not something, uh, is no achievement at all. Outrunning an invalid is not something to brag about. If we want to make comparisons to high educational standards, we must look to those who preceded us, end quote. Part of this conversation relates to the goal of homeschooling or Christian education. Is it the goal to have children memorize an array of random facts that might someday prove useful in certain scenarios, or... Is it to grow in the wisdom of God so that one day we can do the job he created each of us to do? The government schools claim the former as their primary goal and purpose, but we, as Christians, should know better. Uh, we should know better than to do that. Christians should understand that when we select a career or job, <clears throat> we should attempt to discover our God-given gifts and find a job <laughs> that utilizes them instead of simply seeking a job for the money. And we talked about this um, two months ago, I guess. Our, our second theme, Finding a Job You Can Love, was the book we were reading. Homeschooling is one of the greatest ways to allow children to grow up with this mindset. They can spend their early days preparing to find a job they can love rather than wasting all their years away learning random facts that have no bearing on their life and will not empower them to glorify God in their jobs. They can focus on fulfilling God's will for their lives. On the flip side, 
it's not to say that learning about academic knowledge in general is bad, right? God has ordained history, developed language arts, and created this beautifully complex world for us to learn about. This knowledge, when taught properly and in its proper context, can make us see the glory of God even more than if we lacked this knowledge. We also become better, well-rounded people, capable of connecting and empathizing with the people that God has placed in our lives, um, when we learn about things that may not relate directly to our God-given gifts and abilities. When academics is taught within the context of glorifying God, it can give us enormous benefits. But as Proverbs 9 verse 10 tells us, we are fools if we try to teach knowledge without first beginning with the fear of the Lord. My second point, and I'll try to get through this quickly. Don't worry. Which I will try to keep brief <laughs> is that parents who are just going through the motions of homeschooling without having deeper convictions or educational principles to fall back on will not successfully weather the storms that will inevitably surround them. Homeschooling is not always easy. In fact, the easiest and cheapest thing to do in the short run is to send children to your local government school. And we were talking about this a lot earlier, right? It's not the wisest option in the slightest, but it is the easiest option. And if your motivations for homeschooling are not based on a deep connect, uh, conviction and desire to save hearts, minds, and souls, to save the hearts, the minds, and the souls of your children, the conveniences of the government schools will be extremely tempting and hard to resist. So simply pulling children out of the government schools uh, because you heard that they were being taught CRT is ridiculous. Within a few months, you'll end up sending them back into the indoctrin indoctrination camps until the next crisis hits. Heath sums this up extremely well on page 109 when he says, Within the boundaries of God's providence, parents must take direct responsibility for their children's education and ensure that it is thoroughly Christian. All educational decisions should be based on principled obedience to the word of God. It is not enough to recognize and reject the bad fruit of public schooling. We must be proactive, not reactive, or we will do the right things for the wrong reasons. Reactionary decisions lack the staying power and conviction necessary to sacrificially provide our children a thoroughly Christian education. Reactionary parents often return to public school when they find Christian education too hard, inconvenient, or expensive. For this reason, parents must understand why public schooling produces bad fruit. Public schools produce non-Christian beliefs and behaviors because they are based on non-Christian beliefs, um, uh, non-Christian doctrines and philosophies, end quote. Um, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> this last sentence is also his quote. All right. Uh, put succinctly... Public schooling is actively and intentionally non-Christian. Now, end quote. <laughs> um, cool. So I know that's a lot. Um, I'm taking, th th there was so much in these chapters, and I really wanted to take the time to draw a lot of these things, draw key parts, key sentences that I found, and key ideas, tie them together. And, and then I also wanted to summarize, since this is our last week with this theme, with this book, I wanted to summarize everything we've been talking about this month, just in case this is your first episode, right? If you haven't listened to the show before, and this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to also kind of summarize some of the things we've been talking about all month so you're not completely lost and confused when you come and this is your first episode. So, um, all right. Anything else you guys want to add before we move on to our third and final question? A lot of information, I must yes, say. Yes, it is. It is indeed. So this might be one that uh, I've heard some people from the audience actually re-watching 
they they rewatched some of our episodes because oh, cool. they didn't get some of it like going through the first time because th- there is a lot of information. So, mm-hmm. um, so this might if you're a rewatcher, <laughs> this might be a good episode to rewatch. There's a lot of information here. So, and if you're a rewatcher and if it takes you two days, now you have four days of podcasting. Yeah, there you go. Spread it out. You've got a whole month, and we're gonna talk about that at the end. I have some announcements I want to make. So. We'll be talking about that. But yes, you'll have a whole month without content from us. So this will make up for that, right? <laughs> I yeah. think this very easily makes up for a month of content mm-hmm. lost. Um, all right, cool. Okay, final question. Here we go. Joe's holding his breath. Drum roll. What part of the reading do you think most applies to the theme of the month? And as a reminder, last week with this theme... Here's the theme, the dangers and evils of the government schools. So what part of the reading most applies to that theme? And Jake, as always, we'll have you kick it off. Alrighty. So my answer to this question actually sort of fits with my answer to the question too. Nice. Uh, but the dangers and evils of the government schools are the elaborate indoctrination tactics they use. Hmm. And as Mr. Heath points out, even the smallest of government schools have the same tactics. We may think that big government schools in the in the city are bad, but but the small rural government schools or the government <laughs> schools just down the street, no, yeah. those are those are fine. Those, those yep. are fine. Yep. Um, or that well, we want the other activities that are given by the com- government schools, like the sports or other mm. programs, but it all leads to the same indoctrination. Yes. Awesome. All right. Thank you very much um very cool all right joe all right the my main point or one of the main things that we need to remember not only from this chapter from but from the book as an entirety is that the government schools is ultimately the problem to our country i mean it's not the only problem but it is one of the big problems Mm, because the government has that influence on our children because if you've influenced the children, who else do you really need mm. to influence? Yeah. The, Satan will wait. Yeah. Um, I don't remember where that's from in the Bible, but he is willing to wait. If it takes generations, he will wait for yeah. those people. Yep. And it's and kind he of has. it. Yep. That's why it. I thought it was like perfect to mention that right there. Yeah. Yeah. But on the flip side, there, uh, there is this. One one more statement that he has stated on page 101, and that is, if our children know learning is important to us, it will be important to them. Of mm. course, if our, our, for our love of learning to be convincing, our children must see us reading, um, reading the, uh, books, not just the cultural chaff, Hmm. such as sports magazines, (laughs) um, fiction stuff, and daily newspapers, end quote. Something something that – but, yeah, it's one of those things. Kids are a um, hands-on learner. Yes. And at least I can say uh, me as a guy, I'm a hands-on learner. (laughs) Um, Yep. So that's 50% of the population, (laughs) give or take. (laughs) Um. <clears throat> but I'm I'm a hands-on learner, and so kids who are hands-on learners, if they see their parents um, yeah. 
doing something, they most likely will imitate and mm. gra- yeah. uh, go to that. I mean, you've yeah. heard the things like like father like son, <laughs> texting and driving. You, the father <laughs> does you at least in in this area. There's a lot of commercials that it's mm. like the the father was texting and driving. Well, the son. You hear the son is the one that is in the accident because he was the one texting and driving. Mm. So yeah. it, yeah, leading by example. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think we underestimate just how young children start to learn by example, right? Mm-hmm. Learn by watching their parents do things, or unfortunately, learn by watching their teachers do things mm-hmm. or their classmates do things. Which is yet another reason why it's important that not their entire day is not spent surrounded by people of their own age doing the same unwise things that they do, but being surrounded by people who are more wise than they are. And they learn to imitate that, right? Mm -hmm. They learn to imitate the actions of people who are wiser than them uh, because they're not surrounded by 30 of their peers who are identical in age, right? Mm -hmm. And identical in, in being unwise. Yeah, totally. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Okay, my answer, don't worry, this one is shorter. (laughs) So uh, my answer is uh, one of the greatest dangers of the government schools is something we've talked about at length in previous episodes, but it really can't be overstated. This is very important. Government school children are not given an unbiased education devoid of presuppositions. They are inundated by a great deluge of postmodernist ideas, neutrality, as we've said before, is a complete myth. It is impossible for a person or man-made system to be without bias. Bradley Heath states this very plainly on page 108 when he says, All schools incubate ideas, beliefs, and philosophies. Every school teaches its students presuppositional beliefs about God, man, and the created order. These beliefs may be overt or covert, but they are never non-existent. End quote. Heath warns that the longer children are forced to undergo indoctrination in this evil system, the harder it is for them to be removed from it. And this is what, uh, you know, Joe was talking about earlier. Um, Government school systems perfectly capitalize on the fallen nature of man and prey upon little children by allowing them philosophically to do what they desire, to deny their own sin nature and revel in their sin. Heath says on page 108 that if your children have traveled far down the public school path, their foundation is set and the concrete nearly dry. This is where I got my concrete illustration I was talking about earlier. At this late stage, intervention should be built on prayerful petitions for God's grace and mercy in their lives. It is never too late, but it does become increasingly difficult to escape. The conflict may not be pretty. End quote. I also want to briefly touch on something Heath said on page 112. He says that when the mortgage, and this is, again, what Joe was just saying a little uh, earlier, when the mortgage, car payments, and credit cards demand more than we make, the truth of Proverbs 22.7 becomes clear. The borrower, and this is uh, Proverbs 22.7, the borrower becomes the lender's slave. That is a hard word to say, borrower. There we go. All right. By pursuing a lifestyle beyond our means, we shackle ourselves to public schooling. Consider uh, Considering home education or private schooling requires a real, often painful, cost-benefit analysis. Unfortunately, many Christians, uh, many Christian parents exchange their convictions, I love this quote, 
many Christian parents exchange their convictions for comforts. Worse yet, those who do not compromise find little encouragement for thrift and sacrifice from either culture or church, end quote. Making the sacrifices required uh, to pursue solidly Christian education takes commitment, willpower, strength, and encouragement from God and those he's placed around you. Homeschooling parents are going against cultural norms and unfortunately find very little support from the church. This needs to change. Our pastors and church leaders should be preaching against government schools and offering resources for parents to be able to give their children the Christian education God requires from parents. We give 10% of our income in tithe to the church. That's a large sum of money that right now is being used for absolutely nothing that it should be used for. Should be helping the poor, should be helping the people in the church. It should be used also if people need help with their educational needs. They want to keep their children away from government indoctrination, but parents can't do it because they don't have money. That is a perfect, I can't think of a better opportunity for the church to say, we got you, you know, here we go. We know somebody else in the church who is a tutor. We know somebody who teaches music. We know somebody who teaches math. We know somebody who does this, right? You've got a huge, you've got a myriad of people in this church who can do all sorts, have all sorts of God-given gifts and abilities. So there's that. And there's also monetary compensation, right? Like I said, 10% of your income is going to the church every year. That is a large sum of money that can be used to help with these sorts of things, with these sorts of resources, giving these sorts of resources. But continuing this thought, Heath offers encouragement. He says, Goliath was defeated, uh, defeated by the seemingly foolish and weak, a ruddy youth, a slingshot, and a stone. Arrogant public school giants may mock our small, faltering steps toward Christian education. Let them laugh. Someday, they too will fall before the living God, either willingly or beneath a millstone. Until then, Christian parents must not hide among the rocks and cower before the bravado of these self-proclaimed giants of learning, end quote. All we can do is attempt to honor God in all that we do each and every day. We shouldn't become discouraged at the slow rate of progress Christian education has currently, but we should instead focus on encouraging each other and remaining strong in biblical truths and biblical standards of education. All right. Anything anyone would like to add before we wrap things up today? All righty. Well, thank you um, so much, uh, Mom, for joining us today as our guest. This was um, very stimulating conversations, and it was really, really nice to have you and, and have your perspective uh, kind of coming as an outsider in, in, in a way um, from a different perspective and different angle and, and really summarizing all that we've been talking about and introducing uh, those resources are, are fantastic. So um, again, if you are listening and you, uh, you want to find those resources, I'm hoping to link uh, all uh, most, if not all of them in the descriptions um, below this, uh, whatever platform you're listening to us on or watching us on. So definitely check those out. That would be very very cool and, and very helpful, I think. All right, couple ending announcements before we wrap things up. Um, first of all, we are breaking for the rest of December. There will be no more um, show episodes this uh, on Tuesday mornings this December. Uh, but we will return on January 11th. So mark your calendars, January 11th, uh, the, the second Tuesday in January 
is the first show episode that we will uh, be uh, producing and, and, and uh, making available uh, in the year of 2022. We were wow. all waiting for 2020 to be over. And now we're like, when is 2021 over, right? <laughs> I wonder if it's going to be a same recurrence. Oh, goodness. It, it, it will be until we stand up and we fight back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so in the meantime, check out our pro first amendment platforms, uh, during December for some deep dives. I'm hoping to do, uh, one or two deep dives with Jake. So that, uh, that'll be cool. So definitely, uh, keep your eye out for, for those. Um, and, uh, we'll be starting our new theme in January, which is very exciting. And I wanted to also announce that I will be posting the new book on our Gab page. Uh, if you can hear this episode, if you can hear me, it's already out. It's on our Gab page. So go to our Gab page. Uh, again, that's gab.com slash TRD show. And um, that's where you'll find a link to our new book that we're going to be reading. So if you're not a Gab, if you're not following us on our Gab page, you're not going to know what our new book is until January. So this should incentivize you to check out our Gab page because we post all sorts of really cool stuff there. Um, so we'll probably be posting a link with the resources that uh, mom was talking about today. So we'll probably be posting those on the uh, Gab page as well. And we'll also be posting uh, the next book, a link to buy the next book. So we'd love if you would uh, grab a copy of that. You can follow along with us um, in January when we start with our new book and our new theme. And also Merry Christmas, everybody. I know it's beginning of December, but I won't have a chance to say this, you know, so I'm going to say it early. Have a Merry Christmas. And we will see you in 2022. Thank you so much for watching. And we will see you in the next episode. And remember, in all that you do, do as unto the Lord.